Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to the Sherlock's Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. Welcome to the Sherlock's In Conversation podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Claire Richardson. Claire is one of the most respected and sought-after names in the fashion industry, a stylist who's worked with some of its biggest brands, including Hermes, Tommy Hilfiger and Calvin Klein, and publications such as Vogue Paris, The Last Magazine, and M. Le Monde. She's also an advocate of slow fashion and the founder of resale platform Relux on a mission to change consumer behaviour and create a more sustainable fashion environment. Relux authenticates every item and takes care of the process from photographing and listing through to selling and shipment. Welcome, Claire. Thank you for having me. It's so lovely to have you. There's, I mean, there's so much we want to talk about Relux and slow fashion, but can we just talk a little bit about your career first? Because it's it's a starry enough career without Thank getting you. onto the whole business that you've started. So how did you get started? Why styling? I would like to give you some sort of amazing tale, but I slightly fell into it. I used to live in abroad in Korea and Japan I, and I want to say that that's why being around these amazing cultures but I actually think it was when I discovered magazines maybe 14, 15 and thought they were this sort of amazing fantasy escapism and that's when I started to become interested in clothes and my family has no interest in fashion whatsoever um, and I think to my dad's horror that I wanted to pursue fashion. And it was when actually I found out about a Central St. Martin's course degree that I knew it was for me. And I was a shop girl and I would save my money to get up to London to do work experience at various newspapers and magazines through my summer holidays. And then that led the way to St. Martin's and by and slowly by sort of editing by doing work experience thinking I wanted to be a writer realized I was terrible at journalism and that's how it all sort of led into styling so it was accidental as well. What was your first big break? I was assisting various people and I have to admit I was that assistant if you told me to get there at nine, I'd be there at 8.30. I was always staying late. And I think I put in so much work that people started wanting to give me a break, you know, doing an editorial or a small shoot, or even when I think I was at The Guardian at one point and one of the amazing fashion journalists there gave me bits to write. You know, I think it was because I just put in my time and then being offered a job I think straight after university at the Telegraph magazine. And that was huge. So I was so fortunate to go straight from a degree into a job. How did that evolve? So you're 20-something, you're working at the Telegraph, and now you're here today. At what point did you go freelance? And at what point were you doing mega jobs? I think I was ever evolving. I was always looking. I was always listening. I was always watching. And I really tapped into what I liked, who I respected, what I could do well, what I was clueless about. And so it evolved and people started seeing my work published. 
clients started reaching out and asking me to do jobs for them separate to my job. And that's when I realized actually freelance working for myself was where I wanted to be because I could work with such a different degree of clients from doing shows to doing advertising and then things like British Vogue, which I, you know, then started to work and be an editorial or a cover star. I got to do all these different things. And I think I preferred that and like the challenge so much more because every brand, every magazine is very different. Can you tell me some kind of standout memories? Some, I, I know it's impossible to kind of shift through a career, but is there a Vogue cover? Is there a shoot in particular that is just like a, wow, this is so fashion moment? I always remember it with a lot of the women I've shot and, and particularly for covers because covers, they always sound amazing, but actually they're probably one of the most stressful parts of a magazine because it is about hitting the right audience and you have got much more boundaries to it. And Margot Robbie was that one that was incredible. I I adored her. I love what she does. I think she's brilliant. And she had just had a new haircut, this fringe, and it hadn't been really documented. And we didn't know quite where we wanted to go, but I never want to follow trends. I always much prefer to form a character in my head. So I based it on Michelle Pfeiffer and it worked out brilliantly. And she was a dream and loved the role she was playing. Um, so that was a standout moment. Um, another one was probably working with Kate. Um, hadn't worked with her before and did her for the cover of Italian Vogue and a jewellery campaign. It was a dream. Everybody's contributing to it. So yeah, that's really important. For those who don't know, I think people have a kind of idea of what styling is and what's involved. But what is the kind of... How do you go about coming up with what a Kate Moss Vogue Italia cover looks like and what's the process? I think a lot of it is instinct, intuition, what you're drawn to intuitively. And, you know, for example, when I did Margot Robbie, Michelle Pfeiffer, it was from the film Scarface and I love the film Scarface. So I think it's what you surround yourself in culturally, music, film, arts. And then it's, you know, if you're doing an editorial, it's going through the shows, what you're drawn to, what you think suits that model or suits that publication. I mean, being a fashion editor is about editing, but it's also forming a story and a narrative that, I don't know, has an air of fantasy or takes you off into a certain world that you would love to surround yourself in, I think. Are there any brands in particular that you had kind of relationships with, like hero brands that you just went to time and time again because you love them? There's so many. I mean, particularly, I mean, I feel like everyone knows when Phoebe was at Celine, everyone was so obsessed. Different times with Chloe. But then there's brands now that I love, be it Totem or Nilly Loton, you know, kind of party girl, super sexy. And I can really relate to her. But I can also really relate to the Phoebe Celine girl who can wear her sort of masculine clothes every day. And I think it's what you're drawn to. And whether or not you're that person, it's it's a fantasy as well. I was going to ask you if you have a style, you know, if people hire Claire Richardson to style something. But perhaps you've just answered it in that yeah. you can be drawn to a bit of everything. I can be drawn to a bit of everything. But there's definitely aspects where I'll go to a more masculine girl 
or like that much more sexy French girl. Mm -hmm. But they're two aspects I get really drawn to. But then also, you know, I really like music. I like certain aspects of music that I grew up in. Maybe it's the grunge era and that taps into it as well. So it's a bit of everything. Bit of everything. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get to Relux, but I want to know about slow fashion, sexy fashion, your take on that, because there's obviously been a a massive movement in that direction across every area of the fashion industry in the last few years. When did it kind of first become important to you? I've always tried to educate myself with what's going on around the world, you know, news, what's going on, environment. And I started to read more and it started to disturb me more what was going on. And I think right now it's climate change, it's everywhere, everyone's talking about it, but it wasn't like 15 years ago at all. You know, I had no idea really, you'd read the odd bit about it. And so I think it was definitely when I was looking outside my sort of fashion bubble and realizing that my values were not necessarily sitting with what I was doing and how could I make a change? Mm -hmm. How could I align my values more and contribute in a way that sat with me better? Has there ever been much attempt? I mean, we see it a little bit more now, but I think disappointingly so on the red carpet's not enough of of stylists trying to bring pre-loved into I the think, fashion space. I actually think there is more so nowadays. It, it, and even actually the Oscars that just went out with certain stylists really trying to push. Mm. And I would say like amazing vintage gowns. There's also something that Livia Firth does, um, which is the Green Fashion Awards, and that suddenly got huge momentum each year. So I think it's happening. It's, you know, slower than we would like to, like with anything with this, but it's definitely becoming more normalized now. Mm. When before, sometimes I felt like I was in this void mm. and you just felt like you were talking to, you know, there was a few people who maybe understood it. Mm. Okay. So you're busy styling you're thinking about sustainability but not much is going on in in and around the industry was there remote I mean relux then happened right so what got you from that that a to b I'll be really honest I think it was really bugging me and I kept talking to my husband about it and various friends in the industry I was talking at them endlessly about it and I'm sure they're all eye rolling at me Mm -hmm. and then I was pregnant with my son and I think I had bit of time on my hand and I started doing a brand deck and it just evolved from that and I don't think I realized how much I believed in it how much I wanted to do it Mm. and I also think complete naivety how much I hadn't actually necessarily thought the whole thing through Mm. but that's how it really came about it just escalated quite quickly what was the gap in the market you saw I mean we should, we'll talk about relax but yeah. obviously it's, it's a b2c business so what yeah. was the gap in that consumer market that you saw I maybe? think for me is I've always shopped pre-loved mm-hmm. and I've loved vintage when I was at St Martin's I used to go to Portobello market and I knew to go on a Friday morning because the best pieces were there and all the designers would come on a Friday morning from Italy and the states and stuff so I've always tapped into vintage and worn vintage And then with other sites, I was living in New York and I felt like I was trying to shop pre-loved 
and they were starting to feel like fast fashion models to me. And when I say fast fashion models, it's like, buy, 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 quick turnover, go, 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 get as much as you want. And the customer was being overwhelmed, fire hosed with loads of product. And I thought, well, hang on a moment. I have a level of fashion expertise. I know what I want. I know how to look for it. I know what suits me. But how's a customer searching for this? And where is there an experience that feels like a luxury experience, feels like a curated edit where you're guided to? And that that's really, for me, how Relux came about. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing else like that, really. I mean, I'd like to say there isn't. There. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, it was really about the curation, not selling everything and anything at all. Um, the content, working with amazing women, having an editorial outlook was super important to me. And then having this whole consideration aspect, be it the packaging, you know, biodegradable, a whole 360 where it was really thought out. Was there a kind of an econ model that you looked at? You know, is the idea to be the net supporter of, I mean, you know, is it that? Listen, mm. absolutely. You know, I was looking at those sites, you know, I shop on those sites and I was like, well, hang on, how come I can't get that, you know, for pre-loved or I buy something and I might have to wait 20 days Mm. and then it comes and it's got a massive stain on Mm. and I didn't really sign up to this. Where is that experience? And I've never wanted it to be so niche. We don't take high street, we take mid to high end, you know, so niche. I wanted it to be about how a woman wears her wardrobe. So you have a collectible Prada dress or a Jean-Paul Gaultier dress but then you'll have a pair of framed denim jeans like how a real woman Mm. wears clothing and I really wanted to tap into that but also for people to have access to the incredible sort of community of women's wardrobes we have and we really you know from my connections from fashion editors to celebrities you know access to these amazingly stylish women's wardrobes as well so how does that process work then so you had your deck yeah how did it then evolve into what you just described I mean it was definitely going through friends myself everyone in the industry and my connections who wanted to sell pieces and a lot with Relux you don't have to list it. The whole point is we do all the work. So we take the pieces, we price them, authenticate them, shoot them, we hold them on consignment. And I've never been one to photograph my own clothes, sell them, I'm too lazy and, I, and I'm and i short of time. So we always wanted to offer that. So it was really going around people we knew and then we got amazing press from it with you know, Financial Times, How to Spend It, Vogue, etc., And then it became sort of word of mouth. Mm. And that's been incredible to see, you know, all these incredible women and from all walks of life, you know, wanting to sell their pieces. So is that how it works? I come to you and say, hello, I have yeah. XYZ I'd like to sell. Yeah, and either if you're London or just outside London, we offer a concierge service where um, someone will come to your house. They'll help you edit. They'll go through your pieces. That's and we're, and we're, we're really honest. We don't take everything. Mm. But then the pieces we do take, we will sell them. Or you can do a Zoom call or you can WhatsApp. So it's, it's very personal. Mm. We are not just a t- you know we are tech but I never wanted to be just this tech website mm. where it's computer bot and you just don't know who you're speaking to there is someone on the the end of an email or you know on the phone 
two-part question. Yeah. What is the difference between vintage and pre-loved? What makes something vintage? And do you take both? We take both. Uh, listen, vintage and pre-loved, you know, I'd say pre-loved is a, a new term, mm-hmm. but I think also Relux is selling pieces that could be six months old, four months old. Someone might have bought it two months ago, but then we have people selling collector Yves Saint Laurent pieces. So we're much more a broader sense. Mm-hmm. When I tend to think vintage is definitely of older, you know, years. Can you talk to me a little bit about the customer journey? So you land on Relux.com. Yeah. And what are you seeing and how does the buying process work? So we tend to, on the homepage, do an interview with a woman that is trying to do something for the greater good. And then it shows us what the new in is. So we have new product weekly come on site. And then part of Relux is we work with different brands and this is under the umbrella Relove and it's their archive pieces. We do a curated edit of their archive. So we've just launched Totem, we have Framed Denim, Simone Rocha, the Tove Girls, Milne and Watson. And this is something we're really growing. So that's on the homepage too. And it's new pieces, but it's from the archive at, you know, a really good price. So that's that's it. That's really interesting. I didn't know about that, the yeah, archive that's part. that's a different aspect. That's, yeah, I love that. You're obviously kind of doing your bit for sustainability now. Do you feel like this is kind of satiated, that kind of like nagging feeling that you had before about the industry? What do you, where do you want it to go sustainability-wise? I mean, with Relux, it's definitely helping with that niggling, nagging feeling. That was cute. That was generally, without sounding like a Miss World, was actually <laughs> keeping me up mm. at night. And, and I, you know, deeply concerned and probably having kids as well. It became even more prevalent. But um, Relux is definitely my outlet for that. And also... It's bringing me much more into a world with other female founders, charities that are moving in the same direction. I do not know everything and I do not claim to know everything, but I'm learning every day about amazing fabrics, other companies that are trying to do things, you know, what we should be afraid of, etc. And so, yeah, Relux is definitely opening up my eyes. It's also a learning curve <laughs> every day the journey yeah let's talk about the fashion itself what are some of the pieces if you kind of indulge listeners that you've seen some amazing pieces that have hit the site that have sold and you just thought god that's such a find oh there are so many and I will just say that my husband when I launched no actually probably two months into the hey I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. Business sat me down on our stairs in our house and he said, the business plan here isn't clear, isn't for you to buy all the pieces of Relux. What? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's horrible. Is it this is, <laughs> that's my business plan. Actually, there have been, and I know I keep using some amazing Phoebe pieces, in particular a dress that came in and I tried on and I wanted it so much and I was agonizing over it. And actually someone else beat me to it. And funnily enough, I was at a wedding this weekend and the girl who bought it was at that wedding. Did you know her or did you just see the dress and she, she came up to me oh, and told me she had oh. bought it and she had worn it at a massive fashion event and kept getting told how chic she looked. So I was really happy for her and slightly annoyed at the same <laughs> yeah, time. A little bit jealous too. So yeah, that, that's when we, oh God, there's so many, you know what else? And we call it at Relux Banana Gate. And I don't know if you ever remember this and it was when, I think I'd just come out of St. Martin's and there were some Chloe banana tops. They're amazing. I think Jessica Miller, the supermodel was in the campaign wearing them and Kate Moss has been photographed wearing them and we had one and within 25 minutes it sold out and I've been searching one for I would say 10 to 15 years and then suddenly because that one's sold all these other from different people one from Scotland oh, someone wow. else started coming out of the woodwork with these banana, oh, yeah. but they would sell with it, like 20, 30 minutes, wow, they would sell the all the other hotcakes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Wow, and I remember one about to be listed and someone I know emailing me saying, at what time, you know, will this be uploaded? And I was like, I don't think it's going on site till six o'clock in the morning. She's just like, I'm going to set my alarm. I was <laughs> okay. like, wow, you're crazy, oh, cool. but yeah. okay. And how are people, how do people know these things are coming? That I think we had done something on social oh, about teaser. like a little teaser or a countdown. I really wanted one of those tops, but I also am trying to do the greater good for the customer and not for me <laughs> yes, <laughs> by not sharing, not, not about me, all about it. Um, how do you go about fight? I understand the process and people come to you, yeah. but you know, things you're, as you say, you know, you're so, so knowledgeable and you know what you're looking for and what makes a great mm. find, whether it's a coat yeah. top or a Phoebe dress, yeah. whatever. How are you actively finding those things as well do you do you know do you go out and we have connections with people but we are building up let's say a little black book of contacts mm -hmm. and there's certain clients who we have who we know always have their favorite designers mm -hmm. generally we're, we're being approached mm -hmm. which is so so nice so as cool. well yeah I can't complain those are some pieces that have really stood out to you what are the things right now that either you're a seller and you have them you would say now's the time to sell them or the thing that they're probably the same thing with the thing that you say to people you must keep your eyes out for x honestly chanel bags have gone up and i'm sure you've read about this it's been in news have gone up so much in store they are definitely a very very good investment i mean people are investing in those more than artwork and things i think there's an article in telegraph and Chanel bags are brilliant. Phoebe pieces, Hermes as well. You know, bags, if you can look after them, you can resell them and they'll normally go up in value. So that they're, they're really good pieces. And, you know, just, I'm always an advocate of wear your pieces. Don't put them away in a cupboard. I mean, that's probably because I wear my clothes really hard. Don't put them in a cupboard and don't let them mm. out. Find jewelry as well. 
honestly, it's a really good investment. And then more collectible pieces, the Phoebes of the world, old Chloe, Hermes pieces, bags, you know, Birkins, etc. And, you know, with Birkins, they don't have to be brand new, perfect. Actually, there's a real, real sale for the more battered up mm. ones now as well. Is there something, one item or a brand or something that hasn't hit Relux yet and you're you're waiting you're you're like come on I want that one thing I can't say who the brand is but there's a collector of a certain brand who has museum pieces that have been in this certain huge museum that we're waiting for her to part with okay that's cool will you tell me off when we're done yeah (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk a bit more about sustainability and kind of within the industry so it's all well and good. And I think, you know, so people are so much more educated these days. They, we know what we should be doing. Yeah. We know pre-loved is the answer. But it's, it's also not always cheap. You know, buying pre-loved designer things is expensive. The high street is just so there and available. Yeah. What's your advice to kind of, in inverted commas, normal shoppers, normal women who want to be more sustainable, but are finding the kind of making that transition quite difficult? I think, honestly, you have to give yourself a bit of time with, buying Mm pre-loved it is not as easy as the high street if it was you know we would all be doing it so much quicker Mm. but I think you have to give yourself a bit of time and try it um buy some pieces try them on you can always send back um know what suits you and then try and find things that mirror you Mm. in that the whole point of the high street and marketing is so you buy more and more stuff. You know, that's what they want. And even going back to your point about buying designer is more expensive, but actually, I mean, it's crazy statistics of how much you buy from high street or fast fashion. And actually, if you held back on buying four purchases of fast fashion, you could buy a designer piece, which is probably pure silk, you know, or a cashmere, an amazing, and will last you, you know, three times as long. So I, I see it more as an investment. Plus you won't look like anyone else because nobody will probably have that piece. And then obviously it is better for the environment because it's not going into a landfill. So it, it's those things to readjust. I mean, I had a friend who, who's never bought pre-loved and she is the person who will buy from particular sites you know matches Nessa Porter and wanted it in two hours mm-hmm. and she'd never and I got her to an event in Relux and now she's converted mm. but I understand it can feel quite overwhelming mm. as well and that's why I think just give yourself a bit of time and just try trial it mm. I'm sure there's an element as well of of it's the curation thing that you're bringing to the table right yeah. so it's, it's been overwhelming in the past because you can go to a a designer website and see everything laid out yeah. as essentially telling you what to buy yeah. whereas a lot of resale sites have historically been yeah and you're going through 20,000 right. pages of black trousers and exactly. it means nothing to you exactly. I mean I, I, I've been there with a glass of wine thinking my god what is this <laughs> and that's what we're trying to really avoid mm-hmm. and also if there's certain brands you you have liked, and let's say you're buying High Street, but there's certain brands, be it, let's say, an Isabel or an Acne, start homing in on those Mm. brands and the colors you like. It will help you filter Mm. what you like. You know, is is it Isabel? Then Isabel, you'll probably like, well, maybe you like Ula Johnson as Mm. well, and start looking out for those types of things. What are some of the pre-love purchases that you've bought over the years that you just love? 
I did buy a Paco Rayban dress for the wedding last weekend mm. from Relux. That was an amazing purchase and probably actually not something I would have bought before. Okay. And I do find I'm more daring mm -hmm. with pre-loved. I mean, my go-to work styling uniform is probably like black or navy. And this had floral print on it, <laughs> which is quite controversial for me. So that I really loved. Some big shirts from Phoebe. There's been a lot. There was a, a report done earlier in the year about the amount of items that if everybody just bought five mm. new items right then it, that would be that would help the planet if yeah. everybody could just for a whole year just buy five new items and i think you were then allowed four pre-loved yeah. ones it was five new if people are just going to buy a very small amount of items what do you suggest as a stylist what do you think firstly i will say and this is a huge thing that i have been not so good at and getting much better is go through your wardrobe sort out all your pieces so i have like everything in top shirts trousers it sounds so obvious but mm. to do that evening dresses summer dresses because then you really see and allow yourself a couple of hours mm. and go through what you have because i guarantee you'll have forgotten what you have in your wardrobe you will see the stuff that you've never worn and that have tags on mm -hmm. and then you can resell them and make some money and then make a list of what you feel like you're missing, mm. but also really look at what you keep wearing. Because I think that's key, is what do you keep wearing? What do you feel really like is a no-brainer for you? What could be updated? Is it an amazing toe-ten knit, obviously from Relux? <laughs> or is it, do you need another coat? Because then you can be more strategic in what you're buying. Instead of thinking, oh my God, I've got a wedding. I'm just going to pop to the high street and buy something quickly now. You can be more considered and you can probably buy something that you'll wear more. And it's not just for a one-off event. I think we, that's a big part of the high street is we rush to pick up something for a one-off thing and then we wear it a couple of times mm. and that's it. Do you think that's the biggest faux pas in our shopping habits? That, Or is there something else that you know you would really discourage people from doing? I think it's just being more considered in the way you shop. Like, honestly, I think that's the biggest thing. Educate yourself on where these clothes are going, but also what fabrics they're made of. Mm. That's huge with the high street. Like the whole polyester thing, I didn't realise how bad it was mm. until you read about what it does for your skin, where those pits of plastic are going into your body mm. and 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 it gets quite I mean it gets quite overwhelming and you mm. do want to shut your computer mm -hmm. but I think it, it's that awareness that actually slows down and makes you more considered in what you're buying yeah, for sure we always say I mean you know we we love both yes, actually like some, we always say or I always say anyway that it's okay to buy the odd piece on the yeah. high street as long as you love it and you're going to keep wearing it yeah. it's going to live in your wardrobe for 10 years fine That's yes fine, right? exactly exactly and I'm not you know I'm not saying you shouldn't buy this mm. at all I never want to say that but it's just trying to make everyone slow down and there are certain brands that I would completely avoid mm. what changes in the industry the wider fashion industry that you're really pleased with like it's a very different landscape environmentally to 10 years ago people yeah. are being so much more considered so kind of across everything across styling production everything what are you seeing that you're like oh actually people are really making the effort yeah I mean we I definitely see all aspects from I go on to set and there's no plastic water bottles you know it, my husband's a fashion photographer and we have a rider without sounding really American but if you come on set we can't use plastic mm. everything's got to be biodegradable etc so those things I'm 
is much more normal now, mm. sort of green production, to brands using dead stock fabric. I mean, Gabriella Hurst at Chloe and for her own brand is huge with it. I think she used it with Chloe. She used all the dead stock fabric that Chloe had in their archives. Stella is amazing at it too. It's becoming more of the norm, but it needs bigger luxury brands to do it more and be more outspoken about it. And then the high street to stop greenwashing. But also it's incredible to me of what, you know, what fabrics or what materials we're making things out of, you know, be it mushrooms. I mean, it's Mm. mind blowing. You know, I want to be positive that things are changing for the better. It just could be a bit quicker. What changes would, you know, Fashion Week to me springs to mind about, you know, as an area that could do with some some sustainable love. I mean, what, what other changes would you really like to see? Probably not everyone jumping on planes mm-hmm. to go on fashion shows around the world. I mean, loads of brands are, but brands are looking more, being more accountable. Mm. They have to be more accountable. And I think the consumer is holding them up, you know, being more clear with where their fabrics come from, but also social justice of the factories, the workers in there. That that's all stems from climate, mm. you know, and environmental justice. Mm. So it, it's the bigger picture of everyone being a bit more transparent mm. and also not being perfectionist because we're not going to get it right and we are going to screw up and make mistakes and that's okay. Mm. And I think sometimes it's almost too scary for people to even start doing it Mm. because they think, oh, they're going to get pulled apart. And actually just to try and make it part of your business is huge. I think the point, your point about sustainability, you know, obviously the environment is a massive factor in that and this plays into it, but it's about the social responsibility as well, isn't it? It's communities, it's people, it's huge. Yeah. There's so much more to sustainability. The the factories and, and where people are producing things and, you know, what wages are they on? Mm. What are the conditions they're working in? Mm. You know, I mean, it's crazy when you dig deep. Mm. And I think that's another thing I will say is as a customer, you know, you're spending your money, really trying to look at where you're spending your money. Mm. Because if you hold brands accountable, then they will start, mm. you know, stepping up to, you know, you look at amazing brands like Patagonia, etc. It's They're fully transparent of where everything comes from, what they're doing, what they're mm. improving on. And some people aren't, and they're completely greenwashing. Mm. And, you know, obviously if they say things 70 times, you believe it. And I think it's really watching where you spend your money wisely, you know, don't be fooled. You know, sustainability is a word that is banded around so much. Is it, How would you describe that you know what is sustainability for you so sustainability for me when it comes to the fashion industry it's about slowing down and making more considered choices and I think this is where you know we start to reuse resources you know garments life cycle as early back as the design stage, so when we're, talk- when we're using fabrications, to as far forward as landfills and stopping it going into landfills. So for me, it's, you know, it's sustainability, it's circularity, it becomes both. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what's really important in the industry and the opportunity for brands to be responsible and have responsible growth and start thinking about where they're going. What's next for Relux? What do you want it to look like? I think, I mean, listen, we can see, we see how quickly the secondhand, the pre-love market is growing. I mean, it's overtaking 
even the luxury market, you know, I want Relux to grow with that. But again, being considered in it. We've had amazing partnerships with people like Selfridges and Matches and growing those partnerships as well. I think it's amazing where bigger brands are saying, actually, I want to be part of this. How can we do it better? And, you know, working alongside them. So I, I see that and working with on the Relove side, you know, we've launched Totem and all these amazing brands that I love. We've got a lot more coming on and increasing that sort of Relux sustainability world as well. Yeah, just growing and becoming more and more normal yeah. to shop pre-loved. I think that's such a nice way of putting it, more and more normal. It's the coolest business. It's so exciting. The fact that you can literally have somebody come to your house, curate what needs to go, yeah. take it away and deal with it is just chef's kiss. What's the commission? What commission do you take? Okay, so we do this sliding scale. I don't want to say it's as complicated as air miles because mm-hmm. it's not. But basically... If you had over £2,000 worth of pieces, that could be one piece, it could be 50 pieces, mm-hmm. we take 35%. If you have between 500 to £2,000, again, one piece or 15 pieces, it's 45%. And then 500 and under, we take 50%. But someone's taking off your hands. Yeah, we, we do like, everything. Yeah. And I think that is the difference. Mm-hmm. We do everything for you. Okay, fab. How do you get in touch with somebody if you want them to... So you go on reluxfashion.com and then you can go on inquiries at reluxfashion.com or concierge at reluxfashion.com and someone will answer within 24 hours. <laughs> Claire, thank you so much. I'm... Well, I've, I've just been sat here thinking about all the pre-love things that I want to go and buy. So, sorry. for <laughs> I'm excited to go away. I'm going straight to relaxfashion.com. Thank you for having me no, and answering amazing questions. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. If you have any feedback at all, please do email podcast at sheerlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.